So I'm watching the children as it's time to go to children's church. Cartoons come on, so they don't want to go. Did you see that? You saw that too? They were just stalling all the way through and didn't want to go out because the cartoons were playing. Okay, what was that last line she said? There's only one way out of the lie corner. More lies, right? All right, so let's do this. Let's just go ahead and get this out here right at the beginning because we're talking about lying today. If you've ever told a lie, raise your hand. All right, if anybody doesn't have their hand around you up, they're lying. Okay, that's so we just got all that clear. Everybody feels better. You're not alone. Um, you've lied. I've lied. We've all lied. And uh, it's just a matter of how often and how big, I guess. But we've all lied. So we're going to talk about lying today. The series, I can't remember if there's a, a slide on the series or not, Ross. But let me just remind everybody, I think there is. Uh, a few weeks ago, we started with complaining. And so we did complaining first. My big fat mouth gets me in trouble because I complain. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that for me. I'm saying that for all of us. Oh, right, right. right. No. My big fat mouth has gotten me in trouble for complaining before. And I don't know if you know me kind of well, you know I don't complain very much, right? Because I've learned nobody cares. <laughs> like you can just complain and complain and complain, and very few people in your life are going to take that to heart. And, uh, and plus, it just doesn't do you any good. All right, so we did a week on complaining. Second week, we talked about criticism. We talked about how dangerous it is how detrimental it is for criticism so we just kind of went through that and then this is week three we're talking about lying today and read some scripture and talk about that and then the fourth one uh, when you come back next week is going to be about gossip now if you don't complain criticize lie or gossip how much is left i mean isn't that what we're thinking about if I don't complain about anything, if I don't criticize anyone, if I don't tell a lie, and if I don't gossip, uh, am I going to talk very much this week? For some people, that's a real issue. That's a real issue for them. And if that's not you, then I'm so grateful. And by the way, you can always tell the people that kind of gravitate away from those things because they're, they're, they're just fun to be around. You know, they, they always have good things to say, positive things. They look on the bright side. And, uh, and if they know something bad, they usually do that great secret thing you're supposed to do, like keep it to yourself. That's what they do. All right, so that's our series. Um, when my sons especially were little, Okay, I, I made the mistake of asking the, the, um, the, the question, I phrased it wrong. I would ask kind of did questions instead of who questions. So for example, if we had M&Ms on the table and the M&Ms disappeared, I could say to the two boys, did you eat the M&Ms? All right, what would they say to me? No, no, nobody ate the M&M's. And so I realized pretty quick, I'm just encouraging them to do what kind of goes with their nature as little human being creatures. And that is they automatically know how to lie. It's by default. All you parents in here, you know that. You don't have to teach a kid to lie. They just come from the factory that way. Give them time and they will start lying. So I stopped asking, did you eat the M&M's? I started saying, which one of you did it? Because <laughs> that was closer. I'd get more truth out of them that way. Which one of you ate the M&Ms? So again, they were really little and they didn't need any help learning how to lie. And, and the truth is for all of us, the older we get, the better we can become at it. And, and that's one of the saddest things about lying. Now, don't raise your hand for this. I just want to ask because I want you to think this way. How many of you have told a lie in the last 24 hours? Please don't raise your hand or point at anybody. Okay. 
Right, just, I just want you thinking. Because that's what people do. They lie and they don't even think about it. They just get used to it. They're just accustomed to it. And, and they do it so often. And they don't even, like they don't go to bed at night and think to themselves, you know what? I told something today that just wasn't true. I just lied about it. People don't think about it. So I'm asking you today, have you lied in the last 24 hours? Please don't answer out loud or raise your hand. On average, there are people who study this. On average, people lie at least four times a day. Okay, so that may make some of you feel better and some of you feel worse than on average four times a day. And then how about this? I'm going to just count people. Okay, y'all ready for this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then I'm going to go back to Miss Judy, 10. So from Miss Judy forward, I got 10 people sitting right here. So the people that study this, they will tell you that six out of these 10 people can't go 10 minutes of conversation without lying. Y'all feel bad now, don't you? <laughs> so which six is it over there? Who is? I, I don't know. I just picked a good crowd over here. But think about that. Out of every 10 people you know, about 60%, six out of 10 of them can't have a 10-minute conversation without lying about something. Scary, isn't it? All right, so the, and the Bible speaks a lot about lying. Now, we do it to impress people. You know, we say things that are not true. We do it to avoid conflict. We don't want to have problems. We do it to get away from something. It's kind of like an escape door, the lie will be. We do it to shift blame. We want to blame somebody else, you know, for something we've done. And sometimes we just do it to be nice, right? Like the time the church secretary came into the Sunday school class and said to me, how do you like my hair? What could I tell her, Cheryl? What could I say? There is no answer except it looks great, right? That's the only answer. So I've just learned to think that way. So everybody's hair looks great all the time. And that way it's always true for me. It's always true. But again, lies come in small packages, big packages. Sometimes they're very serious and sometimes they're the kind of things we just blow right by. But let me give you a scripture. This is the way God's word speaks of it. This is Proverbs 12, 22. It says, the Lord detests, detests lying lips. He delights in those who tell the truth. If you want to know how God feels about lying, that's it. And we'll get into that a little bit more in a few moments. Let's go to the Ephesians 4 uh, passage. This is our main scripture for today. Ephesians 4, 21 to 25. And I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation today. It says, since you've heard about Jesus and you've learned the truths that come from him. All right, so that's us. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Let's pause here and pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. You sent us your son, Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no lie in him. There is no lie that ever came from him. And truth is a person. And so today, as we think about truth-telling, and we think about the dangers of lying, we ask you to give us wisdom and understanding because we want to be more like you. Lord, we don't expect that we'll be perfect in this life. We don't expect that... Lies will be completely eradicated from our life in every way. But we'd sure like that. And we'd like to be more like you. 
in these things. And so help us now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the old preacher says, I don't mean me as the old preacher, but the old preacher says you may never be more like the devil than when you lie. You may never be more like the devil. You want to be like Jesus, but you, be, you will be a lot like the devil when you lie. And the scripture says that the devil is the father of lies. He is the one from which it all originated. And what was it that the serpent came to Eve to say? Eve, he, he asked a question, which, by the way, questions are always powerful. He said, uh, did God say this? And Eve said, no, God said that. And then the serpent answered, the devil answered, and he said, God did not say. He lied. And he is the father of all lies. We may never look like more of the devil than when he lies. Let me read that to you. It's John chapter 8, verse 44. It says, He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So he speaks his native language. So what's your native language? Most of us, it's English, right? That's, that's what we have learned since birth. That's our native language. So what the scripture is telling us is that the devil, his native language is to lie. That's what he does. He, Jesus said in John 10, 10, that he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his plan. He won't tell you that up front. Your spiritual enemy doesn't do that. He doesn't approach you and say, hey, look what I got. This is going to steal from you. This will kill important things in your life. It might kill you. And that's what it is. It will steal, kill, and destroy. He's not going to tell you that up front. Okay? He's going to repackage it as something you like. He'll repackage it as something that's good. He'll repackage it as something you might find desirable. But his plan is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Again, he is the father of lies. So I want to walk you through this. And, and we're going to do two sides of this, okay? We're going to do the devil's plan first, and then we're going to flip it over and talk about God's plan. Because you can't build a, a, a preacher can't build a sermon outline on the devil's plan, right? Uh, we need to know what it is, but we're going to flip that coin, and we're going to talk about God's plan as well. So I want you to see both sides. So you got it on the screen here first. The devil's plan is, number one, to get you to lie. To get you to lie. It is the easiest thing. Have you ever heard of home field advantage? Home field advantage. It's really important like in baseball because uh, in baseball, players get to know the field. I mean, you know how the ball bounces. You know how it skips. If you're playing third base, you kind of know where the hard spots are. If you're playing shortstop, you know how to get further back or close because of the way the ground is. You know where you can slide and it's rock hard and where it's, the dirt's really going to give. You're in the outfield. You know where those little potholes are and things like that. It's home field advantage. You know how the wind blows when the ball goes up, which way it's most likely to go. That's just home field advantage. Your spiritual enemy has home field advantage. He has home field advantages advantage because this world's broken and you are fallen and he already knows that so he's got every advantage it's a broken world the world is full of lies you are surrounded by them from the time you're able to understand language you're hearing things that are not true and one of your biggest challenges in life will be to decide who do i listen to and who do i not listen to not just are they telling me the truth or, or not, but who do I listen to? And if I'm listening to this one, is this one telling me the truth? That'll be one of your biggest challenges throughout your entire life. So the devil has a broken world and he has broken people. It is so easy for him to lead us into lying. And that's his plan. Number one, to get you to lie. Uh, it'll start with things that might be fun. Like you can exaggerate things to impress your friends, right? Okay, this is what 
you know, you know my pastor. His name is Gene, okay? Gene Gaines. He was my pastor for many, many years. I still consider him my pastor today, even though I don't get to see him that often. His wife is Joyce. And this is what Joyce says about we preachers. She says, you speak evangelistically. She coined that word, I think. Not evangelistically, because to speak evangelistically is to tell people the evangelism, to tell people about Christ. She says you can speak evangelistically, meaning, meaning it's, it's kind of like this, but you're stretching the truth. Okay? And all of us can be guilty of that. Exaggerating, saying things that in some way are just you know, designed to impress someone. It can start with something simple like cheating on a test or telling a lie about where you are, making up someone, making up something about someone, or only telling the partial truth. Isn't that the scary one? Not just I told something that wasn't true, I left out something that was. What do they tell you in court? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, right? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's not a Bible verse, but it's a good way of understanding what we're talking about with the truth. Now, here's one of the fun things I've done. When I used to uh, do defensive driving courses, we'd always show this little video. And the video, if you want to watch it, it's which on a basketball course, basketball court, which on a basketball court. All right, just watch it the first time. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you. So, okay, you'll have to try this on your friends to see if it really works. It works. So you watch these people, and, and they all have a, there's, there's like 10 of them, and there, maybe there's five basketballs or something, and they're all in a circle, and they're all bouncing the basketball around and around to one another. So you're told to count the number of times that the balls change hands, which is kind of a challenge. So you're looking at it, and you're doing that. While you're watching that for about 30 seconds, a person dressed in full witch costume, I mean like the black gown, the pointy hat, the whole thing, that person literally just walks right through everything. Walks through the whole crowd, right in front of the screen. I mean, it's on the camera, everything. And, and nearly everyone will miss it. Nearly everyone. Now, when I would show that to groups, you know, sometimes two or three people in the group would see the witch and nobody else saw it. Because what were they doing? They were counting the number of times the basketball changed hands. They were watching that. And even though it was right in front of them, the truth is the witch walked right in front of you, went right in front of your field of vision, but they didn't see it. So what's true? Was it there or was it not? If they say it wasn't there, is that true? Not really true, is it? It just means they didn't see it. It means they didn't know everything. And that's one of the hardest things about truth-telling, is you understand that you only see part of the story. And that, that catches every one of us at some point. We know what we know because we've seen what we've seen and we believe what we believe, but we, we only see one small part. We don't see the other things that are the moving pieces. That always makes it hard for lying. Now, let's move to the second part. So that's the part, that's the part that gets us started. Okay? So the devil wants to get you to lie. The second thing he wants you to do is get you to lie to yourself. It's one thing if you try to tell a lie to another person. It's a whole new thing if you start lying to yourself. You start rationalizing about what you've done or what you're doing. That, that's the difference. Now I'm not lying to you. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress myself. I'm trying to convince myself. I'm it's like the cartoon. What's the way out of the lie corner? More lies. Doubling down on the lies. That's what it is. So you start to lie. So, and, and again, if you've done this, you've done this. So don't raise your hand. But if you ever told a lie so many times, you started to believe it. If you ever told a lie so often, you started to believe that's actually the truth. I don't even remember the truth anymore because I've told the lie so much that became real to me. Have you ever done that? 
Okay, that, that's what we're talking about here. It is to get you to lie to yourself, till you convince yourself that the lie itself is true. You fool yourself. If you've met people that are convinced they are the victim, okay, they may be the victim, they may not. But if they've told themselves that they are the victim enough, they've become the victim, even if it might not be true. Or, or you may tell yourself, what I'm doing is not hurting anybody. I'm not hurting anybody else, so I can do this. It's okay. And so they lie to themselves. And, and look, you've heard me say this, I don't know, dozens and dozens of times. Everyone reaps what they sow, right? Everyone reaps what they sow. You can't take a rock and throw it into the water and not create ripples. You cannot. So there is not a thing you can do that's not going to impact somebody else in some way. Let me get into this because it might as well. When I've talked to guys about pornography, they don't show up and talk about pornography first. They're always talking about the problems in the relationships they have first. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so, so they started with, I'm having problems with important people in my life. I'm having problems with my spouse. I'm having problems with my family. That's where they start. And when we get into talking about it, we wind up at pornography. So they think, I'm just doing this, it's not hurting anybody, nobody else knows about it, but it is, it's hurting them, it's changing the way they think, it's changing the way they behave, it's changing the way they view other people, and that starts impacting the other relationships. You, there's nothing you can do, because you live in community, you live in relationships with people, there's nothing you can do that won't impact somebody else in some way. And it will impact the people you know best and the people you love most first, every single time. So again, I'm not hurting anyone. I can quit at any time. It's a lie we tell ourselves. There's a story in the Old Testament about King David. And, uh, you know, King David, as much as we admire him and as many good things as, as he had going on and, and as much as I admire the story of King David, he also did some pretty horrible things. There was a reason God wouldn't let him build the temple. You know, he, was, he had some really, really big problems. And uh, one of the biggest tragedies in his life was one lie that led to another lie that led to another lie. Now, some of you know this story. He saw a woman that wasn't his wife, had her brought to his house. Short version of the story, he commits adultery with this woman. This woman gets pregnant, and uh, he needs a lie to get him out of this. So he finds a way to get her husband back in town. Her husband's not having any of this story. He stays away from this. And so David's backup plan is, I'll just have him killed. And so he does. So he backs up adultery with murder. That's his, that's his backup plan. And then he thinks he got away with it. And then a guy named Nathan shows up. Nathan the prophet. And Nathan shows up, and Nathan knew David, so they had a history together. So Nathan shows up, and he said, David, I got this story for you. Once upon a time, there was this guy, and he didn't have anything except one little lamb. That's all he had. But his neighbor was rich and had everything. One day, his rich neighbor had a guest that showed up, and he was hungry. And the rich man, instead of taking one of his own animals and providing for his guest, goes over to the poor man's house, takes his one and only lamb, kills it, and feeds it to his guest. David gets so angry, which, by the way, that's going to be one of your telltale signs. You want to know when, you, when, you're, when you're stuck in a lie, when people call you on it, you get mad. You get very mad, okay? And David did. He got outraged about it. And he told Nathan, he said, this man should die for what he did. This man should repay sevenfold. I mean, he just, he just went overboard with his anger in this once upon a time kind of story. 
I imagine that Nathan just stood there and took it, you know, and just listened to that anger. And then he said, he said these words, you are the man. Now, why didn't David see that? I mean, he's a smart guy. Why didn't he, the once upon a time story, why didn't he, why didn't he pick up on this story? Hey, he's, he's talking about me. Why did he get mad and miss the point that it was really about him? Because that's what lies do to you, right? You start lying to yourself, you don't see it for what it is. That was the beginning of change for David. It changed the course, the trajectory of his life. It didn't undo the things he had done, but it changed the direction of his life. Again, I just share you that story with you because that's the plan. To get you to lie and then to get you to lie to yourself. So if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know what? I probably lie a lot. I probably lie a good bit. But just know the next step in that is to get you to lie to yourself. Not just lie about people or lie to people. The next step in the spiritual enemy's plan is to get you to lie to yourself. All right, let's go to the third part. So the plan is lie. Lie to yourself. And then here it goes, live a lie. Live it. So you kind of internalize it, you believe it, you've lied to yourself, now you're going to live it out. You're going to live a lie. Now I know this is not everybody in the room. I know that. Okay, but anytime we got a group of any size, it's always going to be somebody. Or maybe more than one somebody. All right, so if this is you and I'm making you nervous and you wish I would just quit and move on to the other part, I'm sorry. We just have to do this. You know, we, this, is, this is a scary thing when you start to live a lie. This is the person that, that's got two completely different things going on in their life. On one hand, they got it all together. I'm a Christian person. I'm serving God. I'm doing everything, you know, that I could do to honor God. But when people aren't around or when I'm with a different group, I'm a totally different person. Okay, they are living a lie. Social media does this all the time. Don't y'all lie on social media? Your day looked great on social media. Your pictures look great. You posted inspiring things. And the truth is, the whole thing, everything stunk. Everything was bad, right? Don't we lie? It's just, it gets so much more serious when we're talking about your life itself. Married people, and this is something I got to do a better job with. Michelle's not in here, so I can tell this, right? Y'all know Michelle gets mad with me sometimes. <laughs> Some of the wives are laughing out loud. Okay. <laughs> Y'all know, okay? And, and, and so the rest of you who know me as pastor, you think I'm a nice guy, right? And I am. I think I'm nice, okay? But I am far from perfect. And that lady that's over in Children's Church, she can tell you about that, okay? <laughs> she can tell you about that. 29 years, you know, you... You don't live with someone 29 years. They know you inside and out. She knows what I'm going to say before I say it. She just waits and makes me say it. Right? Yeah, that's how that works. But anyway, when I tell you stories sometimes about my life or about my marriage, I want to tell you the good things, you know? I want to tell you the nice things. I want to tell you the sweet stories. I don't know if she'll let me tell you the other stories. You see how I just shifted the blame to her? Yeah, she's going to say that's me. She'll tell me I shouldn't do that. One time there was a story I was telling, and she said, you can't tell that story anymore. So I, I told this story to groups, you know, and I'd, I'd done this, and when I'd get invited to a church, I would just kind of tell this story. And, uh, and, and it was a great story. I thought it was a good story. And she just said to me one time, she said, like, you're too old to tell that story anymore, so stop. 
And so, and so then I went, and I went to this church, and somebody brought it up. You know, the topic came up. So I, it was like automatic. You know, I'm just telling the story again. And then Michelle called me on the phone later. How'd it go? Well, everything went great. You know, everything was fine. She said, did you tell that story? And I'm like, uh, no. And she heard it in my voice. You told that story, didn't you? Sorry. I did. I did. I just can't lie to her. You know, I, I can try, but she always sees through it. You need some people in your life like that. Can I just help you that way? Will you, let, will you let someone know you well enough that you can't get away with a lie? Will you do that? You need one person in your life, maybe several people in your life like that. Because they will just look at you and they will say, I hear your words, but you're not telling the truth. <laughs> you need some people in your life like that. Because that's what's going to keep you from living a lie. As long as everybody lets you get away with it, as long as they're just fine with it, you'll just stay there. But you need somebody in your life who'll look at you and go, you know what? It's just, you're not, you're not telling every, the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Will you just be honest with me? That's what you need in your life. Some people like that. All right, let me get you to another scripture. This is 1 John 2, verse 4. I don't think we have a slide on this, Ross. But it says, whoever says, I know him, I know God, but does not do what he commands is a liar. You hear that? The Bible just called somebody a liar. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. All right, that does not mean if you've ever lied, you're not a Christian, okay? It doesn't mean that. It just means that's, that's the pattern we're looking for, okay? That's what we're looking for. If we say we know God, then we should be pursuing the truth, not the lies. The lies shouldn't be the norm in our life. They should be the exception. They shouldn't be the thing we always do. They should be the thing that when we catch ourselves in a lie, we say, I'm sorry, and we repent of it, and we turn away from it. Okay, so if you didn't grow up in church, maybe you don't, you don't know this experience. Okay, but for a lot of us, and again, I wasn't an every, every Sunday kind of church kid, but I grew up in South Alabama. Everybody's a Christian there, right? Y'all are supposed to laugh at that. South Alabama, everybody's great. Look, when in the 70s, in South Alabama, it was still the thing. Like you were, they were still, most businesses were still closed. Y'all think it's weird that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday? When I was a kid, everything was closed on Sunday. Y'all remember the blue laws? Everything was closed, right? Because you were supposed to be where? In church. And, and then when restaurants started opening on Sunday and you went to them, people in church told you you were bad. You shouldn't go to a restaurant on Sunday. You're making those people work. Right? This was the culture that I grew up in. And so everybody just went to church. And if you said, are you Christian? Of course I'm Christian. What they meant by that is I'm not Buddhist. I'm not Hindu. I'm, I'm American, so I'm Christian. So that's how their life looked. I'm a Christian. And then I started, you know, when I was about 12, you know, going to church a little bit. And then by the time I was 14, I was going a little bit more. And all of a sudden I met some people and they were just different. Like it, church was not a... A going through the motions thing for them. You know, it, it seemed real to them. God seemed real to them. Jesus seemed real to them. They had a passion about what they did. They prayed differently. They sang differently. And, and for me, you know, for 14-year-old me, that was a whole new experience because it was like everyone else was just playing a game. Everyone else was just going through the motions. But to these people, like, it, it mattered to them. The things they read in the Bible and the things they heard at church, they actually tried to do those things on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. How weird is that? 
That's what this verse is about. If you say you know him and you don't do the things that he teaches, he commands, then the truth's not in you. And that's just, that's like holding up a mirror to ourselves and seeing where we are. All right, so why do we lie? Why do we lie? I don't think there's a slide on this one either. We lie sometimes to protect people's feelings, and then we lie primarily to make ourselves look better. Those are the two main reasons. But I've got a slide on this. I want you to see it. The root reason. This is it right here. The root reason most of us lie is that we don't completely trust God. That hurts, doesn't it? We tell lies because we don't trust God. We don't trust that He's good. We don't trust that He's going to handle the things that, that we want Him to handle. We think that our lie works better than His truth. Our lie works better than His truth. So we keep it and we do it on our own. I think there are three of these. Lies will bring me security. I think that if I lie, I'm going to be safer. And that has to do with some kind of fear in my life. Number two, lies will get me more. Okay, I don't have what I think I need, but if I lie, I think I can get it. Number three, lies will help you like me. All right, and that's a relationship kind of connection. If I lie, I'm going to tell you what you need to know so that you like me more. All right, that's enough of the devil's plan, right? Let's talk about God's plan. If you've never done this before, you've never seen this before, it might be a little scary to you, but I want you to see it, okay? What's, you got, what's the next slide? There it is. This is God's plan. Ready? We confess to God for forgiveness and to people for healing. That's God's plan. If that sounds painful to you, all I can say is it probably is, probably will be, but it also works because it's the truth. So the devil wants you to lie. He wants you to believe those lies. He wants you to live that lie. But God says, I want you to do something else. I want you to take the lies. I want you to take the sins. I want you to take all those issues and problems. And I want you to confess it to me so that you might be forgiven. And then I want you to confess it to someone so that you might be healed. What that means is you can't really do this alone. This is not a, I'm going to do this and I'm out. It takes both sides of it. So let me give you the first part about Confession. This is 1 John 1 9. If you've never marked this in your Bible or memorized this, this is the verse you want to hold on to when it comes to confessing to God. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can you just hear that again? If we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is good, He is just, He will forgive us and He will cleanse us. Look, people look for a type of cleansing or healing in so many other ways. And it always starts with confession. It always starts with confession to God. So you start there. What we really need is to be forgiven. And it's not for God. It is for us. Now let me give you the other one. This is 1 John 1.9. Now let me give you James 5.16. Someone told me this a long time ago. And it was life changing for me. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. It may seem like one of the hardest things you would ever do. Okay, but, but here's, here's the truth. You need someone you can trust that much that you can sit down with 
that you can tell that stuff to. And when you tell them, they're going to receive it. They're going to become the words of Jesus to you because they're going to tell you what, what God would tell you, that you are forgiven. And then they're going to pray for you. And all of a sudden, there's a triangle. It, it involves God, you, and that other person. And when that other person starts praying, that, that triangle, it just kind of becomes a real thing. And that's where the healing starts to happen. You cannot do this by yourself. You've got to confess to God for forgiveness. And then you've got to talk to somebody who can know you and pray with you so that you can find healing. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Let me tell you a story that came from Greg, Craig Gochelle. Pastors of church in Oklahoma, very large church. He's got a workout partner named Paco. That's not his real name, Paco. Um, you know how guys do things like you have a real name, but you get a guy name. So John's name is Paco. Okay, that's that's the workout guy's name. And what a lot of people don't know of the story about Paco is that Paco was the first student minister for their church, where Craig is the pastor. Twenty something years ago, Paco was their first student minister. And kind of background story on this goes like this. Before Paco was a Christian, um, he was with this lady named uh, Jennifer, and, uh, and they lived together. And so um, when he became a Christian, you know, Paco said, look, we're not married. We're not in a covenant. We're, we're going to change this situation. And they did. And then Paco became the student minister at their church. Paco calls Craig one day and says, i got to have lunch with you. I need to talk. They go, they sit down, they're talking, and, um, and, and you know, Craig said, look, you, just, you know this stuff is serious, right? When people just have it on their face when it's serious. And so Paco just said, he said, look, man, he, he said, I messed up. And I know you're going to want me to resign, and I know you're going to want me to step down from my position, and I just, I needed to tell you, I hope we can still be friends, you and me. And, uh, and Craig told his student minister, he said, look, you are probably never more prepared than you are right now to bring a message of grace to the students in our church. So I want you to go home and get your act together and bring that message. Bring that message. That's what confession to God and confession to other people looks like. It's redemptive. You come out of it not punished. You come out of it changed. You come out of it better. Because that's, what's God, that's God's plan for you. God's plan is not to put you in a corner and say, you did something wrong, so stay over here a while. That's not God's plan. God's plan is to say, okay, I hear your confession. That's why Jesus died. Now we're going to start this healing process. And God never wastes pain. He never wastes suffering. And believe it or not, He will never waste your sin. Like, he won't waste it. He'll take that and He'll bring good out of it as you share how He's changed your life, and how He's helped you with those things. Okay, again, this is God's plan. Confess to Him for forgiveness. Confess to another person for healing. If you're going to commit yourself to telling the truth, and, and again, none of us are going to be 100%, okay? But if you're going to commit yourself to telling the truth, it sets you free. Isn't that what Jesus said? The truth will set you free. He is the truth, and He wants us to tell the truth. So here's what we're going to do. It's 1127. We've got plenty of time. We're going to stand in just a minute. I'm going to lead in a prayer. And I just want you to have a few moments to talk to God. You got something you need to tell Him? Tell Him. 
You got something you need to confess? Confess. You want somebody to pray with you? We got people in this room who will do it. I'll be standing right there. I'll be glad to pray with you. But take your stuff to God. Don't fall into the devil's plan. Go with God's plan. And so the challenge, and I'll just give it to you as we have it. There's the challenge. To start living out complete truth today. Let's stand together. We'll pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your grace and mercy to all of us. Thank you for your love. You died for us because we are liars. You died for us because we are sinners. You died for us because we've done so many things wrong we can't even remember. And that's why we need you so much. God, I recognize that uh, you've probably brought some things to the minds of, of many people here today. Help us, Lord, to bring that to you. Confess it to you. And to receive the forgiveness that we need from you. And then, God, would you put it together so that we can take it to someone else. And we can find the healing that you intend for us. This is your word. It's your will. Show us how to do this your way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.